0: engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it now the end abortion podcast by
1: priests for life well hello i'm janet marana the executive director of priests for life welcome to this specials one hour seminar we're doing here as april is Abortion Recovery Awareness Month. Now, this is going to be a special opportunity because we want to hear from you. We are going to take your questions. And joining me in today's program, of course, the doctor is in the house, Dr. Teresa Burke, the founder of Rachel's Vineyard, and her husband, Kevin Burke, social worker and partner in crime in finding finding Rachel's Vineyard. They've been at this brothers and sisters for decades decades and we've already had a few programs we gave you a little bit of the history but today we want to focus in on and I, i can't tell you teresa how many times i get this question constantly um gee you know um my cousin i know they had an abortion uh they don't seem quite right and i don't know what to do uh i don't know what to say to them how do I get them to get the help? I, I know they need the help, but I don't know what to say to them. So first I'm going to start with you, Teresa, then we'll go to Kevin. What, what do we say? You know, Because I think everyone watching right now, you know, hands raised, come on on the chat. Everybody probably knows someone who's had an abortion, right? And you really want to get them fixed, so to speak. You want to get them to healing. This is Abortion Recovery Awareness Month. So, Teresa, how do we lead them by the hand to that recovery? What do we do?
2: Well, the important thing to know is that we can't fix someone's grieving, nor do we know how they're experiencing it because everybody grieves differently. So it's best not to compare stories or to put your own story on theirs, or think because you were fine that they were too that they are too. Um, I think it's a hard question because everybody's walking a different um, path with grief, and people are so protective of their secrets sometimes that that becomes the number one obstacle to even be able to have a conversation. I think it's particularly uh, difficult when someone knows there's an abortion, but that person doesn't know that you know that they had one. Because things travel in rumor of families, of friends, of colleges, you know, that, that gossip can go around. And so that's always an awkward thing. Um, I, I, I think that fixing it is not our job. Our first job is to listen and to be there and to acknowledge the pain or wherever
1: they're at. Okay. Now, um, <clears throat> so, you know, people will say, all right, Teresa, okay, we just acknowledge the pain. But, you know, how would you approach someone that, you know, says, okay, I, you know, uh, you know, I know about Rachel's Vineyard, like, how how can I be a salesperson to sell them? Yeah, I you know, want <laughs> you to go on a Rachel's video retreat. Like, how, how would you do that? You know?
2: Well, I think that encouraging people that they deserve healing, mm-hmm. that what happened is is really terrible and you're so sorry that they're going through whatever they're going through and people are always going through something, even if it's the anger, anger and pro choice beliefs is and defending their choice because people are at different stages of a willingness to acknowledge it and even the pain of even thinking about it. So um, I recognize and I teach a lot of people to recognize the survivor modes where they shut down because it's so painful and you can see them. They won't allow to hear They They wince when they hear the word abortion. They're going to avoid you or they're going to fight you or they're going to go numb and freeze. So I feel like that we want to recognize those signs so that we can tread so gently. We we don't want to come in and diagnose anybody or tell them that they have all these problems. People don't want to hear that, but you can acknowledge the loss and invite them to share what it was like for them. That's the first step. So I think we have to listen before we would try to make any intervention. It's so important to listen. And, and in order to listen, like that's, that's a really hard thing to do because you have to prepare yourself emotionally for the pain of hearing about their experience, especially if it's somebody close to you, a grandchild, um, your mother who who discloses, you know, or a sibling, a niece, a nephew that was aborted. Um, This is, it's so sensitive and so, one of the first things that we do internally is that we react with whatever it is. It could be guilt. It could be shame. It could be a trigger to your own loss. It could be many things. And we just need to prepare our heart to feel the pain of whatever the disclosure is and try to step back and say nothing until you listen. And then you can respond that. I hate that that happened to you. I hate that you felt so alone. And then the encouragement to heal, even if they they aren't aware that they're hurting, you can point out if you know them well, and you have that relationship, that's the key here. If you know them well, you can say, I just observe you suffering. I I can tell that you're depressed. I noticed it, especially on the anniversary of the abortion, you know, and my heart goes out to you. I just want to be here. I don't want you to be alone. These are the kinds of things and that you're not alone. I'm right here. I'm willing to hang in with you. Um, We can get, then you tell about what resources are there and you just gently make the invitation. And because somebody might shut you down once, we know that people s- tell us that they need many and repeated reassurances that they deserve healing, that there's a place to go, that they, that, that there's help, there's help and that there's hope.
1: And then couldn't you also say like, cause some people might say, Oh, I don't have the money to go on a retreat. I can't afford to do that. Couldn't you in a nice way say, um, I'd like to give this to you as a gift. I'd like to like a present for you because, you know, I'd like to help you and accept it as a gift. Is that okay? Okay.
2: I love the idea to give it as a gift because you're you're saying that I want to remove all obstacles. And sometimes the gift might be childcare for the weekend so that they can right. get away. The gift might be to um, go with them as a support person. The gift might be to encourage their husband to go with them. It's like however you can serve. And one of my favorite things to do, not only as a counselor, but when I take calls of people that are want to come but they're scared is it's like what are their fears about going because if they can express those fears we can almost dismantle them one by one um as we know that the, the mm-hmm. definition of a fear is false evidence appearing real and um that that there's no obstacle that can't be can't be improved somehow and plans can be made and um gifts certificates can be given and mm-hmm. You know i think it's lovely i also love i also love it when a parish a church will provide a scholarship for any woman who wants to go therefore it's not just we want you to have this because we love and care about you and um your
1: walk in faith okay we have a question guys and maybe uh kevin you could take this question if you want it says uh what has caused so many catholics to be anti-life and pro-abortion and think that's okay (laughs)
3: Well, number number of causes. I think one of the main ones is an obvious one, but it's 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 a very important one, and that is uh, the improper formation and catechesis of of uh, Catholics, and the uh, failure to preach about the issue of abortion in, in two ways. One is not only to uh, present the truth of the humanity of the child in the womb and the absolute requirement of someone who is a faithful Catholic, if they're, if they're making, uh, if they're receiving the sacraments, which we hope they are, uh, but that they s- receive them worthily and to be supporting candidates that are, uh, very clearly pro-abortion and promoting pro-abortion policies is an abomination and is something that, um, requires repentance on the part of the individual who's supporting those candidates and on the part of the candidate themselves with something we pray for. Each and every pro-life sermon, whatever the focus is, whether it's a, uh, a more mild pro-life message or a real strong pro-life message, which one, one of our clergy would present, uh, it should always be accompanied by a healing message. It should always be accompanied by a message that, look, there are some and it's all, who are listening to this message today that and hearing about a pro-life message are, are feeling pain or feeling anger. And oftentimes that pain and anger is rooted in either their own participation personally in an abortion or perhaps being unable to stop an abortion. And we, want, we also want to send a message today, not only of, of the truth of pro-life, but a message of healing and hope. The church uh, wants you to reconcile that loss, wants to provide emotional healing of that loss, et cetera, et cetera. There's some pamphlets in the back of the church today on Rachel's Vineyard. And so that would be, you know, just a few of the initial thoughts on. Um, I also think the message that uh, unfortunately there's been a message in some. Uh, there's been a, a separation of the social justice and the pro-life message of the church, which has really been very tragic. So mm-hmm. that uh, the church, those who uh or working for advocacy for the poor and for uh, injustice in for uh, for migrants uh, things of that nature uh, they oftentimes uh, think that the pro-life message has to has to be you know down the down the list and not seeing that uh, a social justice message has to include the unborn so there's a few initial thoughts on that
1: thank you Kevin and of course um, be in touch at priest for life our website priest for we have a lot of resources uh, that can that can also help. Well, brothers and sisters, this is Janet Morano, the executive director of Priest for Life, being joined by Dr. Teresa Burke and Kevin Burke of Rachel's Vineyard. And this is our one hour special on Abortion Recovery Awareness Month. We will take any questions that you have for any one of us. And also we're going to continue the discussion now. So we've already talked about how to approach someone in your family um, who's had an abortion. Um, Kevin, could you speak to, um, the men issue? Because, um, with the men, first of all, like Teresa said, oh, you could ask your husband, the woman could ask the husband to go with her, uh, on the Rachel's Vineyard. But what if she had the abortion with a prior boyfriend? Could her current husband once, you know, she's told him she had a prior abortion, maybe when she was in college, would it be okay for him to go, even though he had no part in the abortion? Or what if this couple entered their marriage? having aborted um, their their child. So could you speak to that a little bit, Kevin, the the man part of this equation?
3: Yes, and and I actually start to respond to that by also talking briefly about what we started with, which is if you're going to be speaking to someone who you believe, who you know has had an abortion, um, and perhaps you were involved in that abortion decision in some way, maybe you're a grandparent or a friend at the time might have not uh, who did not speak up about the decision of your friend who was in college or even help pay for it or something of that nature. Um, it would probably be a good idea for you if you were somewhat associated with that abortion to consider a Rachel's Vineyard Weekend and to do some healing work yourself and go through that process and hear the stories of women and men who will talk about their personal experience of abortion. Uh, you can grieve the loss of that child, but you'll learn a lot uh, and you'll go through a lot of healing and receive a lot of grace and blessing that will put you in a much better position to speak to your friend or loved one who has experienced abortion. And we, you are most welcome on Rachel's Vineyard Weekend. You can even go to our website and speak to one of the, uh, you can email one of the site leaders and just ask to consult with them or the counselor, say, look, this is my situation and I want to talk to them and uh, introduce this idea, Um, perhaps I might want to consider going to retreat myself because this impacted me personally, that would be appropriate. Uh, If you um, are married to someone uh, who has been part of an abortion decision, uh, perhaps you um, shared that experience, perhaps you were dating or were engaged or shortly after your marriage, um, there was an abortion and and you have come to realize that that abortion hurt you, uh, you might, you're starting to consider healing. Um, if the person, if you think there is some open, Teresa talked about this, the the, um, the sensitivity and the denial that can be very strong around this, you know, this secret loss. And so, you know, if if, you, if there is some openness and there's there's a healthy enough communication in your relationship, you can certainly introduce the idea that, you know, you can go a different a couple different ways with it. You could say, I saw this seminar today. And they were talking about uh, people who have experienced abortion loss and and they were talking about healing. And it was really it was it was very informative and moving. I'm going to send you the link so you can take a look at it and maybe they'll take a look at it. You can ask them and then ask them if they want to consider, uh, you know, let them know Rachel's Vineyard welcomes couples and, and perhaps they would want to go. And so, you know, you start a conversation that way and see if they're open to it. If the other if you if it's your if it's your husband and you know he had an abortion prior to the marriage and you're seeing some of the symptoms that you might have uh, you might recognize as being related to abortion you might notice that sometimes he has issues with anger sometimes he's uh not accessible emotionally there's intimacy issues uh maybe he gets depressed around father's day maybe he's not as Bonding to his living children as much as as you think he might, and maybe tends toward workaholism or other kinds of addiction, and you wonder if that abortion uh, might be related to that. Um, again, you have to look at uh, how healthy is your communication, and if it's if it's healthy enough where you're able to address it, and you're obviously you're aware of the of the, that he had the abortion. Uh, just let him know that, again, you watched a program, you you have a pamphlet from Rachel's Vineyard, you've been learning about this, and you think it's something that he might want to look at a little f- further. Here's a book by Kevin Burke on uh, men and abortion called Tears of the Fisherman that I think you might find interesting. And let him know that uh, I, I'm willing to accompany you in that healing journey. Uh, Rachel's Vineyard is open to couples who are not necessarily the parent of the aborted child. And that can be a really, uh, a really beautiful healing experience. Uh, I'll see if Teresa wants to add anything to that as well. But uh, that's a few th- initial thoughts.
1: Thank you, Kevin. And just before Kevin, um, before Teresa responds, I want to remind everyone <clears throat> the Rachel's Vineyard website is rachelsvineyard.org. Also, you can go to abortionforgiveness.com. You'll put in your zip code, and you'll see immediately where's the nearest Rachel's Vineyard retreat program. So, Teresa, did you want to add anything to what Kevin was just saying? Just the idea
2: that um, (laughs) I think it's best to heal in the context of your current relationship. We don't encourage people to go back to a, a partner and do it together, especially if they're married Um, because doing grief work together is very bonding. And so we heal in the context of the current relationship. And it's a very beautiful opportunity on Rachel's Vineyard for a spouse to spiritually adopt the aborted child. We've been doing that from day one. It's so powerful. It's uh, such a way to bring that child into the family uh, and be part of the family rather than the wife's secret or the husband's secret, and to feel a sense of union and communion an intercession from that child, which is what people discover in
0: Rachel's vineyard. Yeah.
3: I'll just add real quick, that, that might sound a little strange to some folks who aren't familiar with this, <laughs> but uh, if you go through the whole weekend, it's on Sunday that you would do that. So you're you're doing a lot of uh, grief work in Teresa's program, uh, a lot of emotional and spiritual work that kind of gets you to the point where you're going to be very open to that on Sunday of the retreat.
1: Right. And I want to remind everyone if you have a question for us, by all means, the doctor is in the house and um, we're here to answer your questions about abortion recovery, uh, about Rachel's Vineyard, uh, anything about uh, abortion and healing. Okay. Um, So now, you know, we're in the middle of, we're almost to the end of April and coming up next month is Mother's Day. And I know, Teresa, you know, from listening to the testimonies of, the women and being involved with silent and more and other things that on mother's day, when you go into church and there's a few things that dynamics that happen. First of all, a lot of churches will give out a a carnation or a roast, all the women coming into church that are mothers or grandmothers. And then near the end of of the liturgy, the the pastor or the priest or the minister will ask everyone to stand, all the moms and grandmas to stand for a special blessing. Now, I know from women who've lost children to abortion, and I I would guess even moms who have had multiple miscarriages too, who don't have any living children, at that moment, I've heard from some of them, they just wish the floor would open up and, and swallow them up. What advice can you give to people? Because this, don't you think that's a very triggering moment of like, oh my gosh, you know, like, yeah,
2: I think that it's a day that we honor mothers and we honor motherhood. And when you're, when you have the empty arms from an abortion or a pregnancy loss or miscarriages or even the grief of infertility, um, it feels that you're not honorable in in that context and once you're a mother you're always a mother whether your child dies there's still a place and a grief in your heart over that baby that loss that abortion and to acknowledge that and pray for mothers who are grieving the loss of children who are not here with them to share this life, I think is a really important thing to do on Mother's Day and to have resources for healing, miscarriage support groups, whatnot, because if we're gonna honor mothers, we're gonna recognize what they need to heal so that they can um, live live in, uh, in peace over the loss. And have an experience of connection with others who understand their right to grieve. And when I say right to grieve, it sounds like a funny thing to do, like right to abortion and right to grief. But meaning a lot of people feel that that because it's labeled a choice that they did this and that they therefore wanted it, therefore they're not allowed to grieve. And there's been a lot of very interesting stoic comments but even picking out and I had I've heard many stories like you Janet but even going to pick out a Mother's Day card for their own mother can reduce them to tears like they, it makes it hard to even look at other babies sometimes when that loss hasn't mm-hmm. been hasn't been touched in some way or honored um, as as has a legitimate heartache because then what happens when we, when we don't grieve is we harden our hearts and then we don't want to see children. We don't want to see pregnant bellies. We don't want to see, you know, all the things that we'll we'll hear about when that loss goes unreconciled, ungrieved.
1: Oh yeah. I've had some women before healing uh, say, or even the course of their healing journey say to us things like, Oh, in the supermarket, I can't even go down the baby aisle you know, where they have the baby food and the diapers and all that stuff. I just can't bear it. I I avoid that aisle. Um, And and like, if they see women with baby carriages, like you just said, it's like they they go in the other direction because it's just too, too painful. You know? Um, I always also want to tell everyone that uh, next uh, Tuesday evening, we are going to have a special seminar just for priests and deacons, where we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper so that they become more sensitive. So brothers and sisters, If you know any priest or deacon that you'd like to get this information to them, let them have them go to thegoodshepherdproject.com. They can sign up to get the email so they can join a seminar next Tuesday night just for clergy. And I think i got to put on my glasses here, but I think we have a question. (coughs) Here it comes. This is from Brenda Hoffman. She's asking, Is there something that could be given to carry in their pocket that would give them comfort and strength until they could make a retreat when they're ready to go? That's what she wants to know.
2: (laughs) There's actually a whole industry of grieving things for miscarried and aborted babies. um, when people are grieving and, um, one of them that, that I like is a little heart and it's filled with, um, Bags And people actually warm it up and they carry that like this little fabric heart. Other things are jewelry um, that they can wear that has the baby inside their heart. It's just like remembrances, a token so that you can see that. And again, you're honoring the baby by, but you're remembering and you're, you have a tangible tangible thing to hold, to kiss, to love. And um, until you can make a retreat, sometimes these things are very comforting, something tactile that represents the baby. I know a lot of um, moms sometimes will get a tattoo with the name on and um, not not a promotion of tattoos, but (laughs) it's sort of like a painful thing to do that marks a memorial that's permanently part of you, which is how people feel about the children that they've lost. That child's still a huge part of them. And it's some way to just be able to see the name every day.
1: Right. And of course, in addition, Father Pavone has written a lovely little prayer book called In the Heart of His Mercy, prayers for healing after abortion. And those prayers are for mothers and fathers and grandparents like the whole gamut. And if anyone's interested in receiving a copy of that book, let it's about a 50 page little small pocket that could fit like you're saying in your pocket. Uh, they can go to prolightproducts.org and there's uh, where they can get a copy of In the Heart of His Mercy. Uh, So that's just adding some prayer power to it all too so they can get to a retreat. And remind you again, if you want to know more information about Rachel's Vineyard, go to their website, rachelsvineyard.org. First of all, there's a wealth of information up there uh, written by Teresa and Kevin Berg, uh, plus the retreat areas i mean teresa uh we're in what what you are in about what is it 75 countries or something including the united states or it keeps growing
2: 78 countries and yeah. seven languages so this grief is universal right and you know when we think about reaching out and saying some something. And when we don't know what to say, but we want to say something, just be open to be vulnerable. And even if it sounds messy, it's better than being silent and not acknowledging that there was a loss that, um, it's, it's better because the silence I think is more painful because people interpret it that nobody cares.
1: Right. Yeah. That's the thing that I've had so many women tell me too, Teresa, is that, um, You know, the abortion industry and if you listen to the media now, you know, it's you have an abortion today, go back to school and work tomorrow, no big deal. It's what they couch it in women's health care, you know, all this buzzwords out there. And yet the people who are hurt both physically, psychologically, and grieving, they say, Well, no one understands my pain. You know, it's it's terrible. So, like you're saying. It's better for people to verbalize something than to be silent because silent just drives that woman further into that shame and regret and thinking there's no hope for me, right? It makes them feel forgotten. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And the other thing I find is um, when when the women are healed and like the women from Silent No More who speak out, other women will recognize that to say, oh, look, I'm not alone. You know, like, oh, look, you know, she regretted her abortion, too. Oh, okay, maybe I can take those steps. So um, I want to encourage everyone, if you want to read some testimonies to spread them, go to AbortionTestimony.com. We have the largest collection of uh, testimonies there um, where you can uh, find healing. So um,
2: Janet, that's actually one of the fundamental keys to recovery is dismantling the secret and Being in community with others. That's so important because abortion usually happens alone. It happens and every feeling and the assault on the nervous system, all of the symptoms, uh, a lot of people feel like they're crazy and it's so, it's so sanity giving back um, their sanity when they can be with others, because so many women, I've heard this for 35 years now, I thought I was the only one who felt this way, because yeah. there isn't a lot of commercials about abortion grief or Hallmark cards, or even in the literature, theres it's hard to get all these studies published that talk about the detrimental impact. Yeah. So, especially when we see abortion as healthcare in this country, all the negative sequel is usually pushed to the side. And it's never highlighted. That That's what makes uh, women suffer and men suffer years and decades longer than they should have because yeah. there wasn't
1: uh, an outreach for healing. Yeah. Okay, I got another thing coming here. Let's see, it says, understanding is universal to aid each unique situation. Many need always understanding. Yeah, this is from Carolyn Messina and she's saying that, you know, obviously women and men who are hurting they need to be understood is what she's saying you know someone needs to understand how they're feeling and their pain
2: with right? a lot of empathy and empathy is is for, toward them and that's why i said we have to be aware of our own feelings our own trigger our own pain and be willing to put that to the side so that that person can feel understood and empathized with and supported right. And I thought a good thing, Janet, you said, what's things not to say? I thought we should all brainstorm like some of the worst <laughs> things that people have said that was not helpful.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. What are some of the things people have said that are not helpful for women well, to hear?
2: I think when people say, oh, you can have another baby when the time's right, that is just oh, like, that, no, don't the ever worst. say that. Um, um <laughs> or or when you go telling them about someone else who had an abortion and all the stuff that happened to them it's like their story is heavy enough to carry they don't they don't need to be loaded with your feelings or right. with um you know someone else's story or burden and yeah. i think that um when are you going to get over this or it's time to move on or i'm sick of hearing about this or i don't want to talk <laughs> about it like all that stuff it's right. just like such a profound rejection of the person and their feelings and even the reality of how this has damaged them when people act like it's just something that you should be able to move on from like that. It's, it's,
3: uh, and can I I, I, I add to, to that? um, The, um, not, not being too, and, and I, I certainly agree with everything you just, that has been said on, on that regard, but, um, it's important too that we're not too aggressive and Maybe aggressive is not the word. <laughs> We're not too enthusiastic of wanting the person to get to healing. We know how beautiful that gift is that God wants to give them. It's understandable that you want to get them there, but sometimes the first step before even talking about healing is just in a, in a very simple way uh, when the subject somehow comes up in the context of whatever the context is. You're if you're a guy hmm. and you're with your buddy and you're, you're having a drink and he, he shares with it, you know, or somebody you, you know, have known for a while and they and they, it comes up again, just ask them simple questions about th- what happened about the, oh, you know, about the pregnancy. What was the situation with you and your girlfriend in high school? Um, you know, what, uh, what was it like? Did you go to the abortion center with her? Uh, what was it like afterwards? How did, how did you see it impacted her? How did you feel after the, after it took place? How did you, you know, how did you feel during the, when you were making decision about it? What was your role in it? You know, just simple questions, not all at once, obviously, but as they, <laughs> as they begin to talk, you'll kind of get a sense of, do they want to talk more? And, and then you really are then, and again, I welcome Teresa's additional feedback on this, but then you're kind of starting the healing process right there in your relationship with them. You're not trying to be a counselor. You're not trying to heal them of their abortion loss, but you are kind of Wouldn't you say, Teresa, in a sense, kind of starting that process just by listening to their story or at least inviting them to, to share?
2: You're expressing an interest in their experience. And when you open the the lids to the box of your experience, it's 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 putting it in the light. And the minute that it's exposed to the light, things can happen when people are trying to lock and seal the box and never discuss it. Um, And no one's given them that opportunity either. It's not something most people, they they might hear, oh, yeah. Oh, and how was your week? You know, (laughs) it's kind of like, (laughs) kind of.
3: You you could even say, even after they, and after whatever level they share with you, you can even let that sit for a while. And then you contact them in a few days. or next time you see them, I say, I've been thinking and praying about, first of all, I want to thank you so much for trusting me enough to share that. Um, and I've been thinking about and praying for you. And and I wanted to share with you some information on this, on this healing program, Rachel's Vineyard. Um, and I, I think you might wanna, might be something you might find helpful. Here's some information. So.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> uh, if they have any doubt, anyone who's watching, whether uh, Rachel's Vineyard is helpful or not, just go to their website. Uh, there's a section there where you have comments from people who've been on the retreat. And of course I've helped facilitate on quite a few retreats. And I mean, people come in on Friday, apprehensive, nervous. But boy, oh boy, by Sunday, they, their facial expressions are so much like they've lightened up. They're smiling again. <laughs> they, they've been so unburdened by this this burden they've carried for, for so long. Uh, so um, I highly recommend anyone, if you know someone who's hurting or you yourself are hurting, Um, Just go to abortionforgiveness.com. That's abortionforgiveness.com. Put in your zip code. You'll see where the nearest Rachel's Vineyard and other healing resources are. And especially during this abortion recovery awareness month. I mean, you know, just like there's breast cancer awareness month, black history month, women in history month. uh, A lot of the ministries that are involved in the healing got together and said, you know what? We have to amp up the need for healing and let's have an abortion uh, Recovery Awareness Month. So that's what April is, brothers and sisters. And uh, we need you to be the ambassadors of that healing message. So again, send them to rachelsvinea.org or abortionforgiveness.com. Okay. Uh, any more questions? Then my producer, Rob, will send them to us. Brothers and sisters, it's your opportunity. The doctor is in the house and you get to ask a question. which What an opportunity. I mean, Teresa, some people have to pay for a counseling session. This is free advice. <laughs> absolutely so um let's for a minute touch on you know we've we, we've kind of covered you know if you know someone or you know how to approach and not approach and um but what about the parents who are watching right now or listening and they thought they were doing the right thing at the time their teenage daughter was pregnant society says this is what you're supposed to do you know take care of it, go have an abortion. You know, there's been such a difference since Roe v. Wade when I was growing up uh, and someone was pregnant at a wedlock, you know, the family dealt with it. Sometimes they took her, sent her away to another relative's home at a state or something. She had the baby, put baby up for adoption, came back and everything was fine. Abortion wasn't an option, but because it was made legal and because it seemed okay, You know, there's been a lot of parents out there who probably thought they were doing the right thing for their daughter and might, realizing by watching her behavior now, saying, "Uh uh-oh, maybe this wasn't correct. And they themselves have to deal with the fact that they participated in the death of their own grandchild, right? So what can you speak to that situation?
2: Oh, we get these kind of calls all the time, Janet. I mean, (laughs) time. And it's always (laughs) a different story, but the underlining... um, thing is that they're concerned more about their daughter's behavior her depression her everything because they they encourage this which is an interesting dynamic to be aware that there's a problem but not but be very resistant to admitting that admitting their role in that right that pressure they put on the that that taking complete control without even a conversation, just deciding what needed to happen. And, um, you know, kind of just insisting that this is what is gonna happen, whether you want it or not, this is the best thing. So um, when people decide what is best and then move forward in full authority, um, there's a lot of trauma there and also a lot of power struggle later. So um, I always recommend that they heal first if they're willing to do that, if they're more concerned about their daughter than themselves, and they think that they're fine, one session with them, and I'll I'll invite them for a session. But if you're just a regular person and you know that this is happening, you just have to encourage them to support and receive her grief, because they couldn't support and receive the baby. There's a double rejection when they can't um, receive her, her feelings, her sadness, her mourning and feel that it's acceptable because it it bothers everybody in the house that was involved in in um causing that to happen in the first place. Mm-hmm. So there's like there's a lot of guilt there. That's why I feel like they could heal first if they can recognize and want to do that journey and release their their sadness and also see that their daughter isn't the only one doing this. It kind of normalizes the whole grieving experience, we've sent a lot of parents just to go and learn so that they can see, have a window into their daughter who won't even speak to them. So they, a, they know that she's depressed. They know she might have made a suicide attempt because um, the statistics on that are girls are 10 times more likely in the first year after an abortion to commit suicide. Um, Especially teenage teenage girls, I'm talking about. So uh, there's just a lot of complexities there, and so it is kind of an emergency situation. And when I say emergency, because they're very at risk for sabotaging behavior, for multiple pregnancies. So the sooner, the better. And um, I think that that's just common sense given the risk factors. And it's easy to talk to people when you know the facts, saying it's really important not to just keep pushing this under the rug or think that she's going to grow out of it. Needs to be tended to. Good. Right.
1: You know, and especially if um that mother, um, like I said, like you're just saying, forcibly told the daughter, That's it, you're gonna have an abortion, she makes the appointment, she puts her in the car and she takes her there. I mean, right? I mean, yeah. the mother the, the mother might have said, Well, I, I did what I thought was best for my daughter, you know, so well, they they, be, they, believe hard, right? they
2: believe that with all their heart. <laughs> um, but then when they see her heart broken and shattered and unable to function, then there's the questioning. Then there's the frustration that you won't get better and a lot of pressure too. And that's when it becomes a power struggle, a big one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because
2: that's the only way that they (laughs) communicate the discontent is by being um, oppositional at every step, almost as a way to punish. You're not going to get what you wanted because you didn't give
1: me what I needed. Right. Right. And then of course, you know, I think last week we had one of our uh, callers, you know, with a question said her mother won't even talk to her about it. She has totally shut down. Um, Remember all all communication with her. I mean, that's even worse. Don't you think? I mean, that that's like really driving in the silence and and the wedge between mother and daughter even further apart. Right.
2: Well, sure. Um, The silent treatment is a very painful painful thing for anybody to go through because it's like they're
1: being annihilated too. You know, you don't right. exist to me anymore. Mm. And, and then Kevin, what's your experience with men who insisted that their daughter had to have the abortion, the, the, the yeah. father, you know,
3: yeah, the I was grandfather. Sure. Yes. yes. <coughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Janet, because I, I was actually thinking of that as when Teresa was speaking and I was thinking I was thinking too, as a dad, you know, and as a man, uh, and, and working with other men, it's one of those things like sometimes when something is a strength, it also at times can be a weakness. And so I think as men, as fathers, sometimes, uh, when there's a crisis or problem that has to be solved, we want to, we want to take control. We see that our, 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 um, one of our children is hurting. We want to take control and try to solve that problem and resolve that crisis and get a sense of control over a situation that can feel kind of chaotic and threatening in in the short term and certainly an unplanned pregnancy can seem that way particularly if you're thinking of a dad with a daughter and maybe the boyfriend is not someone who's going who he sees as the ideal uh partner or father you know the okay. son-in-law for this for his daughter and so you know, in the in the attempt to take control, he can uh, do do some things that really end up hurting his child, and it's going to be real hard for the for the dad to to be able to see that. And I would highly recommend uh, there's a chapter, it might be chapter one, Teresa, uh, in your book, Forbidden Grief, because there's a story of her work with a, a father who's calling for his his daughter. She's called Gina, and it's a real good description of moving from that. Uh, Where a father is in that mode of justifying his decision and helping moving him towards um, being able to accept his daughter's grief, and of course the way that she's able to do that is she she's also appealing to and accepting that he loved his daughter, he cares about her, that's why he's calling, but she's also uh, helping him recognize the role of the abortion uh, in his daughter's pain. So I would uh, and that book's available uh, at the Priests for Life store. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's called Forbidden Grief. And uh, I highly recommend that just for that chapter alone.
1: Yeah. And by the way, they can go to prolifeproducts.org to place uh, an order for Teresa's book, Forbidden Grief, Kevin's book, Tears of a Fisherman. Then the book that Teresa and Kevin wrote with Father Pavone, uh, which is Rivers of Blood, Oceans of Mercy. Uh, Those are all helpful, helpful resources uh, in dealing with the after effects uh, of abortion. Um, So, Um, Wouldn't you also, and then you both can address this. I think another reason I think why um, parents kind of push um, abortion on their teenage young daughters is a shame factor. You know, they don't want anyone else in the neighborhood or the family or their church family to know that their teenage daughter got pregnant. You know, that was fooling around. And this is an embarrassment to the family. And so what's your experience, Teresa, with the shame factor and those kind of parents uh, getting to healing? Yeah, there's
2: so many kind of parents, isn't there? (laughs) You have the religious that want to look like they have the perfect family. And therefore, we got to get rid of this because it's, it's an embarrassment. And what would your aunt and uncle think? And what would, cause you're such a good girl and I've been so proud of you and this is a big screw up, right? Mm -hmm. Or son. Um, I know that there's also a lot of the boyfriends, parents who play a very big role in helping girls get abortions as well without their parents even knowing because they're going to come in and save him from child support for years. So like it goes it goes every which way, but um, again, I think that taking taking responsibility and and um, allowing things things to unfold in the way of um, if there's grieving and there's depression, there's anger, and there was a forced hand there to just be open about it and and let people feel what they feel and try to reconcile as soon as possible because this kind of thing can rip up families, it can rip up churches, you know. Um, and then it comes out much bigger because when I said power struggle, right, where are you going to act that out? In the church, if that was the important place of not wanting shame or the community or the family, she's not going to show up. She's not going to, you know, so that creates a lot of division. That's that's been my experience. Huge division. And the truth is always marching on, as we say, in time secrets come out and it never looks good for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that supporting and dealing with life crisis, which everybody has, it just makes for a more open and real faith community when people can be invited to support that person. It's a life affirming way to to p- have everyone put their faith where their, where their people are right the, in right. Their, their community because mm-hmm. beautiful things can happen. Um, and we've heard those stories too with, bringing a girl forward and blessing her and having a shower and all that stuff where she's really going to be supported by her church family and her own family, because they're not going to go into that shame mode. They're going to go into that. Let's help support life and love it and see the gift that it is. What do you, what do you say, Janet, the unexpected blessing?
1: Well, yeah, that I was just about to say that you took the words right out of my mouth, Teresa. And and really that's what it is. It's not that the church family is supporting promiscuity, but there's a baby here now. And so, okay, the circumstances of the conception were an ideal, but there's still an innocent child here. So it's an unexpected blessing. And we do have to come forward and support that young lady to give life to the child. And then if they want, make an adoption plan. There are so many couples out there waiting and waiting. And um, I've had even members of my own family, my cousins, who their daughter couldn't have another child and uh, she adopted. And um, it was beautiful experience, but there's not enough babies out there because of abortion. So you know, having making an adoption plan is it, nothing wrong with it. it. It's it's a blessing for the child and for the the parents that can't have a baby. You know, so um, it, it's definitely an unexpected blessing. And um, and we really need to we really need to stop the the shaming of of these girls. We really do because that really tends to um, drive them to the abortion clinic instead of, you know, doing a life affirming uh, thing for them, right? Well, brothers and sisters, you're talking to Dr. Teresa Burke, founder of Rachel's Vineyard, her husband, Kevin Burke, co-founder of Rachel's Vineyard, and Janet Miranda, the executive director of Priest for Life. If you have a question, we only have a few minutes left to our program. So now's the time to ask it before time is up. (laughs) Okay. So um, there's another aspect um, I'd like to talk about and It's kind of like what happened to me. Um, One of my daughters had an abortion without my knowledge, as you both know. Um, And I think this is something that's very common. Okay. It has happened in the pro-life community a lot. Uh, After I told my story, I have had more people contact me, me too, me too. You know, just kind of like silent and immoral and grandparents. And in in my case, you know, my daughter knew I would have received her pregnancy and the baby and all that. And I asked her like, okay, so you know how pro-life family we are. (coughs) I would have helped you. It was fine. And her her answer to me was, I didn't want to disappoint you. And I think in a lot of pro-life families, isn't that true, Teresa and Kevin, when you say that my experience with my daughter, Kelly was, it's very common that for some reason, no matter how much we educate our kids, and tell them, if you ever get in this circumstance, it's okay, please come to me, please come to me. They, they just don't wanna show that they failed, right? I mean, is yeah. that the case, right?
2: Thanks for sharing your story with everybody because I, I think it, it does speak to that um, with all the education and all, and I've been on many Rachel's Vineyard retreats where we've had girls, confess that they were the president of their pro-life club in high school or even college. And in tears, they just say, I can't believe I did it. And they say, but you, you no one ever expects to be in that situation and plan it out or know how they feel when it happens and i think the expectations and the pressure that are even on kids for going to a good college getting a good career you know your parents saved money for years so that they could give you the education that they might not have had or whatever but the pressure and the expectations and all life preparing you for this career i i feel like we rarely value um in this world and in this economy, just the role of of mothers, you know, um, mothers that 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 can have this support for the baby and that don't feel it's a disappointment, but a natural a natural thing that's going to happen when you're sexually active. Um, we encourage even in the promiscuity and every message of the culture. So as much as you prepare a child, there's so much there's so much pressure. Um, not only of what they're supposed to become but also pressure to do everything to undermine that plan because of the way the culture is with alcohol Mm -hmm. drugs with parties with all the sex with all the movies all the everything it's just permeating everywhere so i think that it's hard to raise children in this culture even with the best values the persuasion of Mm -hmm. um, their peers and the lifestyle of today is um it kind of it kind of puts a big force and and then all the advice that they're going to get from their friends that that will also stop them from coming to you who would have been very supportive
1: right well in in my case my daughter kelly was away in michigan at school so i'm sure yeah. other students had her ear and she was away from us so it was setting up the perfect scenario to not calling mom and coming home you know but trying to deal with it on her own, you know, they which... go to
2: their peers and
1: and it's hard. Yeah. well, and just for the peers now, I have to hold <laughs> up something brand new that just arrived on my oh, doorstep. Yeah, my brand new book, everything you need to know about abortion for teens and and young adults, okay? And this hopefully would arm them <laughs> with the tools they need. To not go down that road to abortion, so I'm, I'm hoping it's available at our online store at prolifeproducts.org. I just got my copy, oh, good I Brian. Can't wait
2: to read it. I was happy to hear it was targeted for teens, Janet. It's wonderful.
1: Well, yeah, because you know that's the market that Planned Parenthood is targeting. So we've got to shore up that market of the young people. And in this book, of course, I take it on all the hard cases, but I also have chapters on all the horrors of having all that sex. You know STDs and all that, but then I show them the right way, chastity. And guess what? It's not about religion. It's all science. It's science. So just you know, all the science. Just follow the science, because <laughs> <the> <laughs> what I tell everyone is the science actually ends up following God's way in the end, because God has our best interests at heart. He really does. So anyway, everything you need to know about abortion uh, for teens available at prolifeproducts.org. And here's the funny story when I was first asked to write this book by my publisher, they were saying, Oh, everything you want to know about abortion. And I said to them, no, who would want to know anything about abortion? (laughs) No, this is something you need to know, like it or not. (laughs) That's how I look at it. You need to know this, like it or not. Maybe a few babies will be saved. And maybe a few young ladies will be saved from the grief that you both have had to deal with for decades. So, um, I just want to thank you both for joining on, on our, our live seminar here. I hope so many of you uh, learn something, and you're going to spread the word. Remember, uh, you can spread the word of healing, okay, out there. And you know what? I'm going to give them a homework. You know, the teacher here, homework assignments. I'd like you to ask your pastor or minister would they do a simple thing in their little church bulletin or you know some churches they don't print bulletins anymore they project all those announcements you know why don't you just put the simple thing hurting from abortion question mark there's hope and healing go to abortionforgiveness.com brothers and sisters you can be an ambassador of that message please ask your priest deacon minister would they just put that simple announcement in their the screen before services every single weekend in their bulletin? Because guess what? They all think, Teresa and Kevin, oh, not in my parish. Oh, no, not in my parish. Brothers and sisters, oh, yes, in your parish, there are people in those pews that are hurting. They need healing. And you all have to help us get that healing message out there. Amen? Amen. 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 Any closing thoughts for either one? Go ahead, Kev. Closing thought.
3: No, just I. I just think to re- reiterate to, to share to share the healing message, and it mm-hmm. needs to be heard repeatedly. It needs to be heard from the pulpit. It Needs to be heard in the church bulletin. It needs to be heard with sharing uh, one of our books, uh, sharing a Rachel's Vineyard pamphlet, and uh, don't be afraid to to uh, gently, with great charity and love and humility, share a message of healing and hope.
1: That's it. And Teresa just the doctor gets the last
2: word I'm, I'm just so excited about your book janet good job i don't know where you got the time to do that but
1: in between <laughs> in between everything else
0: yeah
1: anyway anyway Hi. so brothers and sisters thank you for joining us and remember there are some abortions only you can stop and some lives only you can save and only you can bring some people to healing so thank you for joining us and god bless
0: Trying to hide away Ashamed of the light of day Made a choice Thinking I'd be free But that choice It imprisoned me in my shame Till I stepped into the light of God's love the healing began I'm free from the shame I'm healed of the pain